and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, this episode today is exciting for me on a couple of fronts, as it's actually the first face-to-face podcast that I've ever done. Now, I love being around people who inspire me and really make me think. And my guest today, Justin Smith, is definitely one of those people. Our paths crossed only a few weeks ago at an event that I was hosting here in my hometown of Newcastle. And Justin and I connected after the event, and I simply loved that this guy, in his mid-20s, was already asking some big questions of himself, and he had the courage to make some changes in his life that meant detouring from the so-called normal path. In this episode, Justin and I discuss human connection, wearing multiple professional hats, work-life integration, the importance of mentors, and adding value to the lives of people around us. Justin also goes into the five value pillars that he guides his life by. One point I really love about this is his notion that the skill of contentment is so important when striving for growth and betterment, that we need to be happy with what we have before we can truly grow and be better. Justin grows and helps the people around him grow through the questions he asks himself and the changes he's willing to make. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Justin Smith. Justin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm very well. This is, I must start, this is quite exciting because this is my first face-to-face podcast here. And I've, you know, I've asked a friend of mine, Dave, to help us out here. And he's kindly lent us some equipment. Um, But he was also, uh, he also filmed the event that I was at that I did here in Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. And I can't wait to see that footage and share that footage with, with everybody listening. But that's also where you and I met. And without making you feel uncomfortable, but you and I definitely hit it off at the end there. And I was really inspired and stoked about some of the life changes that you've made in, in your own life and some of the big questions that you've really started to ask yourself. Thanks, man. And I figured <laughs> if if I'm inspired, then obviously my live immediately... Um, podcast listeners would be inspired as well. So I had to have you on the podcast. Hey, thank you. And as I said, Dave's done an amazing <laughs> job this morning. Um, we're in my living room, which is awesome. So had a few little hiccups along the way, but adapted and Dave's done a great job and we're here, so. And we're here, happy days. Thank you. So just for a little bit of background, you grew up in the country town of Scone. Yeah. What, what was it like growing up in the middle of the bush? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. So. Not even in Scone, like out the back of Scone. Um, so it was awesome. My my parents grew up, uh, sorry, moved up there when I was about six months old. Um, so small little acreage. Um, they moved up there working, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was a really good time. Um, I lived there till I was sixteen or so. But just having the chance to do all those little things that you can do on the farm, riding horses and motorbikes mm. and swimming in rivers and driving tractors and all those really cool things, learning how to fence and use your hands and stuff like that. It was cool. Yeah, it's an element of of childhood that I know, you know, being a father, it's something I really want to ingrain mm. in Andy. And, you know, she's only five at the moment, but, you know, you've seen our house. It's definitely not on acreage. But like we try to go to the beach as much as possible or, you know, we went on our, our big adventure around the United States for a year and, and even this weekend actually we're staying up and uh, looking after a property in, in um, Pocolbin, uh in the Hunter Valley, actually mm. Lovedale. And we try to give her as much of that outdoor natural environment to yeah. kind of grow up with because I think it's so important that, that learning through play. Did you find that a lot? With- 100%. I, I'm so grateful for for you know, getting to grow up and have all these experiences. And I didn't really appreciate it as much at the time. Well, I certainly did, but I, I appreciated possibly more in reflection. Mm. So moving down to Newcastle at the age of about 16, which was a big move, but um, 
moving to a different school and, and another great school in St. Francis Xavier here in Hamilton. Um, but jumping in with a whole new friend group and they're all what I considered city people. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had totally different things. They'd all go to the beach and, you know, go to the movies and, um, you know, go to skate parks and these things. And we would go pig shooting and, you know, <laughs> go to swim in the river and yeah. all these just different things. And it was no right or wrong, but just different. And um, I really appreciated being able to come. And I'd driven a car since I was, you know, 12, mm. and, you know, just around the farm and all these different things that um, in reflection now, I'm really grateful for. Mm. Yeah. But you, you've spoken about moving to the city at 16, the city being Newcastle. And I guess most 16-year-olds, you wouldn't really think that they would move into their mother's bedroom. <laughs> but that's that's kind of something that you did. Tell me the story behind that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, my grandparents, um, lucky enough, they're, they're still with us, my mum's parents and my dad's f- uh, mother. Um, so three of my grandparents are still around. Um, yeah, and my mum's my parents, they live at Redhead, um, this, you know, beautiful home and they... Uh, you know, they've been there for 50 years, um, right near the beach, this big old house. It's very run down now, but that's cool. It's, <laughs> um, so yeah, they, my mum had this downstairs apartment and when she was a teenager and, um, they then rented it out and things after she grew up. And when I needed to move down to Newcastle for sport and things, um, yeah, I, I jumped into there. So I was, I was, yeah, as you said, live, living in the same bedroom and sleeping in the same bedroom that my mum did, you know, X amount of years before me, which was cool. Yeah. I enjoyed that. And, um, but you came down for sport. Yeah. So you were quite an elite rugby league junior, would be fair to say. Rugby league, for all my um, North American listeners, is kind of like gridiron. The, the, it's the, the, the big football that yeah. we have here in, in Australia. What was it like kind of being at the top of, of that junior division yeah. um, growing up? Yeah, well, I was trying to be anyway. Um, it was really cool. Like, I look back at my time um, playing, you know, with 100% commitment to um, the junior NRL uh, systems with great fond memories, um, you know, to move to another city or oh, into a city, you're instantly surrounded by, um, you know, you've got 30 of your best mates. You're with them all day, every day. So it's really easy to move to a new place when you've got so many different people in your life automatically and you have this commonality with them, um, you know, and you're getting looked after to be healthy and play a sport that you love. You get to travel around, you know, around Australia really and play all the other junior teams and, um, you know, integrates with school and stuff, and it was really cool. It was mm. cool. Um, I mean, I wasn't one of the most elite players within that team, um, and but I was there, and I, I was, you know, really enjoying it. Um, so that was, yeah, that was cool. I played, yeah, with the Newcastle Knights from under 16s, 18s, and 20s, and into their um, into their reserve grade team mm. at the time, and um, yeah, it was really cool. But you you also played for my team, the Tigers, down in Sydney. <laughs> So how how is the move like going from Scone to Newcastle and mm. then heading down to the big smokes of, of my hometown in Sydney? What was that like? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good question. So it was um, a big period in my life where I moved from from the bush from a farm to then Redhead Beach. And I loved it. It was like a small country town on the beach. Um, it was the right time for me to move that. I wasn't you know in the coal mines or on the land or anything like that. Um, so I, I moved at the right time to Redhead. And stayed there for three years, finished school, and um, just started uni. Um, and then, you know, I signed with the West Tigers um, as a 19, 20 year old, and I was really excited to go to the big city then. Um, moved to Strathfield with a, with a family, um, the Ayubes, um, amazing family that, that took me in and, and housed me and, and whatnot. And um, yeah, but I moved to Strathfield, and beautiful part of Strathfield in the inner west, um, but it was so different. It was so different. And, um, I started, I went to uni there, went to Australian Catholic Uni there, um, which was the end of the street. I was training down there. Um, the football side of things was, was pretty similar. Um, and But Sydney was quite different for me. Um, I've always been really sociable and love chatting to people, meeting new people. And um, I'll stop to anyone on the street and say, G'day, mm. and where are you from? You know, and have that discussion. And um, I, th- I think it comes from I don't know maybe being from the bush or whatever um, but I just didn't 
have that same feeling as much in Strathfield. Um, I can remember distinctly being down at the Strathfield train station and it was a busy day and there were so many people around and I was walking just as you do through traffic and I wasn't used to walking through around in traffic. And I remember, you know, when you're sort of walking down the street and if, you, if you're in the same line as someone and you, you sort of grab eye contact and you do that funny laugh, oh, sorry, and go left or right. And I was, I was looking up and sort of looking to do that and realized no one else was looking at me. And it was weird. And I don't know if it was just me overanalyzing it, but I just felt in that moment, I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, you know, yeah. this, I want this. I want to be more connected with the people around me and, and things like that. So um, I think that human yeah. connection, it's, it's really important. And, and sometimes in that, the big city, mm. you know, I even noticed it coming from Sydney and moving to Newcastle. There is yeah. that, we live in a world where we're trying to bring the world is shrinking, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and I love that I can connect with people from all over the world. But that that physical, that eye contact, mm-hmm. and I, you know, sometimes we miss that. And I notice it when I walk dogs in the morning. <laughs> um, and I, I was saying to Inga once, I was like, I want to do this study on walking dogs yeah. in the morning and how friendly people are. Because I'm convinced that morning people are so much more friendly than afternoon yeah. people. Because in the morning, you're up early and I would always make eye contact with people. They say good morning. Mm. If you have a dog, then they even stop more. And it's till about 7.30. At about 7.30, then everyone gets into work mode (laughs) and they're busy, busy, busy. And in the afternoon, everyone's just trying to get rid of the stress of the day so they don't kind of stop stop with you. But it's really interesting that you kind of had that thought heading down into Sydney. But you... You, you go down to Sydney and I'm just trying to piece this together for everybody because this really leads up into some of the big changes that you've made in, in your life. But you kind of, you come back to Newcastle and you study podiatry, yep. which correct me if I'm wrong, is, is that like feet? Yeah. Or as I think you've called it before, the lower limbs. Yeah. That must be the technical <laughs> term. Try to jazz it up maybe. I don't know. But you, 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 yeah. you go to university and you graduate. Yep. And you head into, you do what you're meant to do mm. and you head into full-time work. Paint that picture for me. Yeah. So um, I did exercise and sports science at uni first, um, which worked really well with what I was doing, um, playing footy. Knew I wanted to do something in health, something to do with people. Um, I loved, as I said, the human body and um, wanted to make a difference and things like that. Um, sports science just saying like yep yeah, great I'm doing sport I love exercise and things like that let's do that um, I then met one of my now mentors and one of my long term mentors and friends and he um, he showed me what you know what the sports podiatry avenue looks like and um, he was a trainer at the Nines at the time when, when I was a junior and we just clicked he was from the bush as well and things like that and um, yeah so I, I sort of had this idea of lower limb specific stuff mm. in that field and um so when I moved back from Sydney, I went all in with, with podiatry and um, started pursuing things there. Um, and I, yeah, as you said, I, I jumped in. I, I got this really good, I worked hard the back end of my uni career, um, aligned with a really high-end sports pediatric clinic. It was great. And, um, you know, we were seeing, you know, I was seeing Defence Force members and elite athletes and, um, you know, what society says you're supposed to do, right? Mm. You, you work hard at uni, you, you get in this job and you start at the bottom, you work hard. And, you know, I never take sick days, anything like that, you know, um, work long hours and get it done. Um, and I was only young at this time. Like, I, it's one of those ones, I, I although I did footy and I was young for my year at school, so I jumped into uni early. Um, and I think everything happened early for me. Like, I moved out of home early and um grew up pretty quick i think maybe and um jumped into uni so jumped into full-time work pretty quick i was like 23 22 22 and um you know doing this job that was you know eight to six flat out you know patients non-stop mm-hmm. solving problems fixing things which was great i loved it but i just the more i learn about different things and this is so i guess was you know as we're alluding to the the, the big growth change is uh, as I started meeting different people and moving in different circles and going on this journey of self-development and uh, learning more about the world, uh, I, was, I realized I, I don't know if I can do this for my long-term sake. Um, and 
yeah, a few things sort of slowly eventuated from that. But was it was that hard to make that decision? Oh, or, it was or, so or, hard. Or like, what were those things that you really had to work through to go, mm. hey, I'm, I'm taking myself off the path mm. that I'm meant to be walking or mm. that I'm told I'm meant to be walking. Mm. I've gone to uni. I've got this great job. It's in a field that I love, mm. but something clicked and you wanted to, to take yourself off that path. How did you work through that? Uh, yeah, so it did. You know, it was very hard. Um, I yeah, I'm very loyal naturally. I, I'd like to think and um, to you know, and especially I was then working with my mentor. who had been I've known for ten years, and um, but I just it took a lot of time to realize, and it's only in reflection I can sort of articulate it and intellectualize it, I guess, a bit better. Um, and this also the the moment where I did leave that path was only like. 10 months ago full time mm. a lot of the journey started well before that and it was manifesting in my mind um, but you know it was really hard and um, it took and I was building that up in my mind before the moment where I actually did make the change and um, and and take that step and um, yeah it was really hard yeah, you know and it's something I look back on I'm so grateful that I did mm. um, and, and where, yeah. where did that step take you yeah, so uh, I did that for, I worked in that clinic for about three, three and a bit years in total. I started mentoring and stuff before I graduated, um, well before I graduated uni and then, um, you know, trickled into part-time and then full-time and then, and, you know, and then ramping things up the, the normal trajectory that you do. Um, and then uh, it was about, yeah, so three and a half years later, I just you know, I was like, no, I need to, for my own sake and longevity, I want to do this, but I need to, um, you know, redevelop that flame inside of me a little bit more mm. so that I can ultimately um, get better outcomes and things for people around me. And, you know, it was affecting my, you know, my relationships, my home life, all these sorts of things. So um, I guess, and I've sort of gone off, off track a little bit, but around, so since I, since I, since I left that, that, uh, that environment, I, um, just went look I don't know what I'm going to do next and I was really anxious around that like most people are mm. I'm certainly a detailed I guess melancholic type person mm. that um, really overthinks things <laughs> as you do as anyone does in that mm. situation I um, I read a book Tim Ferriss book 4 Hour Workweek mm-hmm. um, before I left before I made my decision to leave and he spoke about this concept of dreamlining mm-hmm. and, and if yeah definitely um, I encourage anyone to read that book it's a great book um, and he, he has this uh, table and it helps put into context how you can assess things, take the, you know, the survival mechanism out of the two million year old brain that we have and thinking of the worst case scenario that protects us mm-hmm. and actually put it on paper um, and define it and define the worst case scenario if you change your circumstance and know the worst case scenario and then what would be a reasonable level for you to get back to and then what would the steps need to be to do that mm-hmm. and just defining that and it makes it a lot clearer mm. um, he did it you know he tells a story how, how he did it in his early days and because the worst case scenario rarely happens right mm. um, and if you're good models and you're doing things for the right reasons then usually it's for growth mm. anyway so that happened and um, I left and just started I love I love CrossFit. I define looked at my life. What do I like doing? Um, I love movement. I love training. I love learning. So I love adding value to others and and um, you know whatever the hell I can do in those areas. Let's look at it. Um, your law of attraction. University reached out to me pretty much that week and mm-hmm. were like we're looking for a clinical advisor and they'd heard that they didn't know that I was leaving or and I'd left and they said look we need someone to come and help mentor our senior students in this clinical setting. Um, the University of Newcastle that I'd, that I'd gone to and I was just thought, did someone know that I yeah. just left? It was crazy. And then, so I was like, yeah, of course, I'd love to do that. Just a one day a week gig, and, which is perfect for me. So um, wearing like these multiple hats mm. in your professional life and, and you yeah. and I have, have discussed previously about there really isn't a professional life and a personal life. No. It's just life. But we're, wearing these these multiple hats because we are brought up and and I you know I'm generation X and you're a millennial but we are still kind of brought up to to live 
to find our, our path and, and, and kind of live on it. We both kind of wear multiple hats at the yeah. moment, but how have you found that? Like to kind mm. of still have that direction with multiple hats sometimes pulling you mm. in different directions. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's really interesting. And work-life balance. And I heard Tony Robbins say a quote, and it always resonated with me. And someone interviewed me. So Tony, you're so busy. You know, you've got this, but yet you've got this amazing wife and kids, and you're so happy. How do you do that? And he said, it's simple. Some people aim for work-life balance. I'll aim for work-life integration. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's so true. You know, and um. So for me now, and it helped, what do I love doing? I love helping and mentoring. I do that at uni. Mm-hmm. And through something I had value, you know, through my specific skill, lower limb stuff. Um, I love CrossFit and I do CrossFit coaching. Um, I work. I worked with the Daddy Program, which mm-hmm. will, yeah, and maybe even add that into some show notes for you guys. The Daddy Program, the university run this study. It's amazing. So just quickly on that. Yeah. Give, give, give me give me the, the outline of what that okay. Daddy pro- Program is. Cool. So um, it's an acronym, um, Dads and Daughters Exercise and Empowerment. And it's this big study that um, university uh, health and education faculty headed by Professor Phil Morgan, who is an absolute weapon in his field, like one of the world leaders in um, physical and social and emotional uh, well-being and education for um, you know early childhood and, and childhood. Um, he keynote speaks around the world, um, talking about integrating physical, um, you know, physical betterment, I guess, for, for children and how powerful it can be in a vehicle and improving all aspects of their life. Mm. Um, and the latest study he was working on is da- using dads as the catalyst for empowering their daughters specifically. Like he looked at the rationales, there's so many. When you think of parents and kids, a lot of the time, and we don't even mean to do it, but we think, yeah, all well, mums mm. and, you know, mums. And unfortunately, and years gone by, and it's not like that anymore. I know you don't think that yeah. way, but traditionally, it's like dads sort of define themselves, oh, I'm just an extra set of hands. Set of hands. Yeah. I can't have that much of an impact on, on, you know, influencing my child. But now, research and science, we know that they can have potentially more of an impact. Um, so anyway, he developed this whole big study and, and um, using in there, I don't know, it's had so many participants and based around different schools and collecting data and um, uh, providing this nine-week program for um, daughters and fathers and using different focuses each week and it might be um, uh, thinking independently would might be the theme for the week or um, focusing on um, resilience or um, independence um, and teaching the subliminal messages behind that and then using uh, interaction with the father and um, to exercise in the back of it so there'll be a small piece of learning in the rooms and um, we teach the messages and some parental skills and things and I'm not even a parent yet but you know like I was so fascinated but I think that's I think that's a great thing that you're actually taking in and you've got this interest in this topic and it's really going to help shape the parent that you become yeah and he, he talks about we are actively improving the trajectory of these girls social and emotional well-being and i had the exact same outcome as a lot of the fathers are like yeah we decided to do it and i said i was like yeah i'd love to help come in and help facilitate this program and deliver it with one of the other you know head guys and um what i got out of it was nothing what i expected going mm. into it it was amazing. Um, so from me wanting to have an impact on the next generation to learning more about parental skills to um, even just public speaking and all those different mm. interesting things, steering groups and stuff. So that was really cool. That, I'm lucky to have done that and I look forward to hopefully working with those guys a bit more in the future. And you, from what I can pick up is by stepping off that path mm. and taking and pushing through the fears mm. of that, You've been able to really, and as, as you articulate it, kind of go on this journey of growth. Yeah. You've spoken before to me about the five pillars that you kind of have in your mm. life. Can you can you go through those and, and describe them for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, I'm a very detailed person. I like to be structured. Have you always been? I, I think I have. 
Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. I guess so you live and die by your personality mm-hmm. traits, right? And um, and one of my well, one of my most influential mentors, Bernie Garrett, he um, I remember him saying, you know, he's got these sort of pillars that just sort of defines him and underpins a lot of his decisions and stuff. And I never thought of it that way. I was like, well, what do I think defines me? You know, um, what helps dictate my decisions or anything like that? And I sort of. And I keep it written on my whiteboard just in one spot whatever I'm working on. I like to whiteboard things. And um, yeah, I thought, well, you know, my family, certainly, you know, that's a really important pillar of my life. And uh, by that, I mean, not just my immediate, you know, blood family, but certainly my inner sanctum, my really close circle of influence, um, people I hold dear to my heart, um, my faith for sure, and not religious faith or anything like that. I, for that, for me, faith means... Um, I guess faith in humanity and faith in a positive outcome and faith that good things will happen. Um, certainly health is a big aspect and, and um, focus of my life. And by that, I mean like holistic health. Being a real specialist for a long time, and I still am a specialist in lower limb health, I guess, but learning more about other aspects of that and realizing the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. I'd say that so many times, the patients, the things like that. And realizing the more you know about these other things, it raises the whole standard. Um, betterment, and <laughs> like I always want to be better. And I think for me, that tying in with it's a careful one with betterment, right? You always want to strive to be better, but you also need to accept and be happy with what you are right now. Mm. And that's something accepting that second part is something again I've worked hard on and um, not beating yourself up over things too much, but also, hey. I want to be better and optimize things. That's why I coach. That's why I learn. That's why I teach. That's, you know, um, and accepting that about myself and saying, hey, that's a strength. Don't just, you know, yeah. So that's a, that's an interesting one that I'm focusing on a little bit mm. at the moment, like rehashing. And the last one's generosity. Um, the more, you know, for me, I, I think the more you give, the, the mm. it's happiness, I think. You know? I think they're beautiful, man. Mm. And and the ones Thank that you. really kind of resonated with me is when you talk about faith and it not being a religious thing, but mm. having this faith in humanity and, and faith in positivity yeah. and kind of going through life because that is a beautiful faith to, mm. to believe in. But also that betterment, like because I know that I really focus on growth i've always said that you shouldn't wake up on the 1st of january 2017 and be the exact same person on the 1st of january 2018 but but that notion of understanding that to grow and to be better is to have that realization that Mm. what you have now is is everything and is great Mm. is such a you know that's a a deep really beautiful thought you know and i again one of the one of the things that just magnetizes me to you is is having you know you've been thinking about this which is which is really beautiful but when you talk about like coming up with those five pillars how did you really was it just about spending time like if people are listening and going you know what i want to yeah i want to create these five pillars in my life is is it really just thinking about those key Mm -hmm. values in your life or was there a particular exercise that you went through yeah that reminds me that's I'll try and unpack that a little bit more, but it just made me think of a couple of things. I know, made me circle back to thinking about how we became, you know, close and we were sort of magnetized to each other. And during your your speech that you said we met at a while ago, I remember just thinking, wow, like I remember talking about a few of your rituals and a few mm-hmm. of these things, and I was just like, wow, that's I do that, you know, mm-hmm. that's similar, like, and that's why I sort of needed to feel the need to reach out and say, hey, you know, let's let's chat. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Let's talk. You know. Um, so that's really cool. But, um, yeah, circling back to, to, to the question and, um, you know, how did I start to develop those thoughts? And it's just a process. Again, thinking of betterment, I'm still thinking about those five pillars all the time. Mm. Are they changing? Are they, you know, am I, you know, um, am I moving in different directions? Mm. Are they still, so reevaluating things and reflecting is really important. Um, but the next point why in my why even for this podcast um i want to add value to other people um i heard gary v say recently i saw him um present at a national achievers congress um conference last week and he oh 
he presented by a real time so he wasn't there but he had this um projection of him and he like he was there a hologram oh wow it was really weird but cool at the same time and it was live but he was somewhere else like on the other side of the world and anyway he spoke about this concept of 5149 and immediately you think like 5149 i have 51 percent and i control you know i have i have stake at all times and he goes no i want to give 51 percent at all times I want to make sure in any conversation, any relationship, any business decision, whatever it is, I want to give more than I receive. I want to, I want to give to you and the, the ultimate, he, he wakes up obsessed thinking about um, having you, you know, having more than me and then having that leverage in your back pocket as a person and never having to call in that favor. Mm. And I thought, wow. That is cool, you know, like giving to more people and people say, oh, you give and then, you know, the more you receive. Well, no, like, you know, the more you give and then never having to ask that back, that's generosity. Well, for me, I I think I love about that is I selfishly like to give Mm. because of the way it makes me feel. Yeah. And and so that's what I love to get out of it. So that the other person gets a lot more out of it than than Mm. happy days. That's right. Um, but it's sometimes it's a selfish thing for me, um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, I know for sure, and that's and I, I agree. Like, um, and it wasn't until I heard that last week, and I, because I'm the same. Like for me, and um, the five love languages. Have you heard of that yeah, book yeah. before? Amazing. <laughs> and I read that not too long ago, um, and that sort of helps you learn a lot about yourself and other people's. Um, you know other people's personality traits and how they speak to each other and communicate and for me you know acts of service is certainly one of my primary love mm-hmm. languages um and you know were you know giving giving um mm. so but it ultimately that makes me feel better but when gary v is like well never having to call in a favor or anything like that it's just another way of nice mm. way of, of putting it which i thought was cool um but you spoke, you spoke to about um, some of the rituals that, that I do. Mm. And I, I know that you have some of your own. Yeah. But like what what made you create your rituals? And I, I guess we often think of rituals as in the morning rituals. Mm. But so I guess a, a double-loaded question here is like what made you want to create them? Mm. And also I guess what, what are they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well... My beautiful partner, Andrew, would say I'm, I'm just OCD, <laughs> but um, that's okay. And um, I think I, um, I I love rituals. I, I think they're important. Again, tying back in, I want to be better, you know, and I think, well, there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, I want to optimize things. I want to optimize as many aspects as I can. Um, and I do get distracted. I'm high energy. Um <laughs> I can, I, I can get distracted easily so systems and processes help me stay on the path mm-hmm. um, you know so um, yeah morning rituals big on morning rituals evening rituals and not setting concrete they're just things deviate you know things pop up things change um, but and what would be some of your key ones yeah so me my, my other housemate and, 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 and my partner she um we usually, well, I get up at 4.56 most days. Um, I don't know why it's not five. I think it's just streamlined to 4.56. So if you can get up five, well, four sounds better. It's earlier. Yeah. And I know you get up before five as well. <laughs> and I, It's I, a strange club. It, but. <laughs> but it is one of those things. You could, I could set my alarm for five, yeah. but I deliberately set mine with a four in front of it. Yeah. Just because <laughs> I feel that it's 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 in the four o'clock yeah. hour. Like that's early, you right. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the flip side of that, I always hit a hit a wall, and now my my, my evening rituals are dictated because of that. Like we're yeah. doing this podcast in the morning, yeah. right? Because of morning people, and I set that up. Like mm. I, I make hay while the sun shines. I think we're designed to be most productive during the day, like biologically. Um, but I think people gravitate towards um, doing things of evening, maybe out of I don't know why. I don't. I challenge that for thousands and millions of years we don't see in the dark, like we see a little bit in the dark. But that we need vitamin D from the sunlight. Mm. Um, it releases better endorphins and all these different chemical things. Reasons why we function better in the sunlight. 
So I think we'll go to bed earlier. Yeah. The sun goes down, get up I, earlier. My theory is it sucks to get out of bed mm. no matter what time it is. Yeah. So true. whether it's whether it's four fifty six or noon, yeah. it sucks getting out of bed. But once you're up, mm. five minutes later, it's all good. Mm. And I feel that being a morning person, well, for, for Inga and I, we, we really got into that, and her especially, when we were overseas. Because it allowed us to work in the morning. It gave me my own time because I was with Andy a lot mm. of the time. And then in the day, we could do things as a family. Yep. And so now in the day, if it's a nice sunny day, we're at the beach. Yep. And people will always, you know, Mike, you're so tanned and you Instagram, you're always at the beach. And I'm like, yeah, but hold on. I'm up at you five. Get <laughs> I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. While, while you're sleeping. Like I've mm. already done half yeah. a day before you wake up. So I can have my other half yeah. a day in, in the sun. It's, and it's and about th- creating time, right? Yeah. And mm. going back to what you were saying about having that that structure around that and mm. and for me having a you know, rituals or, or a structure isn't about being rigid. Mm. It's about knowing what you want to get done so then you can fill your day with these other things yeah. around that structure. And it's, you know, I remember saying this thing back in in business a couple of years ago about having structured flexibility. Mm. So having that having that 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 power, I couldn't think of a better word, but of, of having structure, but also being agile to kind of change. And I, I think of like a, a, a ship tacking, yeah. you know, that structure is always there, but it can, it can move through the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a nice analogy. And um, I think to, to circle back, so as you said, like getting things done early for me, like it's, what time is it now? It's, it's 11.20. I've done my exercise early, you know. I've done my work early i've done my important things where i needed and now and having that extra time um i listened to uh, like podcasts and things i love it um then podcast um glenn carlson great guy you know australian guy and he was in in inter, uh, interviewing a guy andrew griffith who's um really interesting fellow and he was talking about he has scheduled blank spots every day and those blank spots often fill up but he's got them there you know and if they're not full great he'll take his dog for a walk mm. he'll hang out with you know do something that enjoys you know that he enjoys but it allows him he's so structured that he, <laughs> he structures in adversity times mm-hmm. um, so that he can be really flexible as you said so that's cool and I'd like to have that a bit more but I think getting things done in the morning allows you to mm. to do that well for me it's mm. the you, you can it's easier in my life anyway, to control those, those early mornings. Mm. Cause in the afternoon, something always comes up. <laughs> um, but you, you've spoken it a fair bit today. You've touched on mentors. Mm. How important has it been to really attach yourself or, or ask for advice mm. or use a mentor? Yeah. For me, really important. I've always been someone who I don't mind asking for help. Um, as long as I've thought of the question, thought of the answer, and then I'm discussing the answer, not just reaching out and saying, hey, how do I do this without thinking about it? Um, but having mentors around me is something I've always really enjoyed and love learning from others. And I guess being personable and really wanting human interaction and finding people that have um, that I would define as really well-rounded mm-hmm. and successful um and some you know and it doesn't have to be a face-to-face one mm-hmm. as you said modern day world it's so connected mm-hmm. ted talks i would consider tim ferris a, a mentor of mine mm-hmm. tony robbins i've never met these people mm-hmm. i feel like i know a lot about them we can that's the beauty of our technology it can be used or abused and um you can use it really well mm-hmm. so um certainly direct i mentioned bernie garrett and uh, another one that part of my morning rituals which is big is something we've developed called the fitbit and we just call it Food Pit. It's just a bunch of buddies and we train at 5.18. So that's why we're, probably why we get up at 4.56. And <laughs> we train outside. We're all usually inside most of the day. We jump in the ocean afterwards all through. We do it three times a week. And um, that's really where some of my key mentors and some of these um, growth moments have stemmed from. Um, amazing. You know, I was with, with a bunch of the guys this morning. Different walks of life, you know, we've got business owners in different fields and different people and it's just cool. And and like I'm a twenty well, I'm twenty four twenty six next week and I'm just a kid from the bush 
you know, I learn from other people's experiences and discussions and bouncing ideas and communication rather than just reading or, you know, if that makes sense. Um, so having those people from different walks of life um, has really helped. You know. And what do you think has been some of the biggest elements of growth that yeah. you've seen in your life over the, the mm. past few years? That's a good question. Um, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It makes me, I really need to stress, like I'm on this continual journey of growth, so it's not like I feel, immediately I feel like answering that question, like, oh, from a level I've achieved things. Mm. Um, I don't feel like I have at all. And I don't think I have, like I get to do cool things, but so. Um, it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I definitely didn't want the question to come across from. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't believe that there is a finishing line. Yeah. There's no imaginary finishing line. You know, if we keep doing this and then we get that, we're going to be better. Yeah. You know, I, I look at you and I think of that, that growth in your life of actually taking control yeah. And and kind of really stepping out mm. on on doing your your own thing, and that own thing isn't about creating your own business. Mm. It's about hey, I'm just going to experiment over here. Mm. I know that if things don't necessarily work, I'm cool. I know one way not to do something. Yeah, I think um, and that journey for me is around. Um, we were speaking about Simon Sinek before, really mm. famous book, talking about start with why. I haven't read it yet, but I'm aware of it because I know it's a cool book and he's a cool guy. But, um, you know, I think, and I'm circling back to one of my mentors again, Bernie, he spoke, speaks about and opened up my eyes to this concept of, um, you know, increasing your level of consciousness or your, or your awareness. And people talk about this in, you know, like NLP and things like that. And for me, creating that why and realizing whatever I'm doing, it's not about me. It's, and once you develop that why that's greater than yourself, it's easier to go, say, all in, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to co-found a, a health conference, like this holistic awareness, called Awareness to Grow. The, you know, we had it in Newcastle the other week. I'll give that a plug because we're mm. going to have another one next year and, and I'm sure you'll be a part of it, which will be cool. But, um, you know, overcoming some hurdles and some barriers for myself, like I've done some public speaking, I speak in my field, right? But it's always been to a an audience where well it's been free and this was a paid event Mm. um so for me overcoming some some bigger hurdles and you know growth always comes after moments of challenge and and um you know that that's around the corner again it ties back into that faith Mm. um and i'm glad you brought up that point about you know growth comes after moments of challenge because you you actually have said to me previously which i absolutely loved is that you in a sense embrace fear mm. because you know that at, on the other side of it there is going to be this this element of growth mm-hmm. kind of in your life but you brought up the event that you did run a couple of weeks ago you know again when you were telling me about this i was like what mm. this is happening in my hometown yeah. and it's happening you know this this guy that i've never met before is creating this event how did you go about that and how yeah. did you like, what were the reasons behind doing it? Because you really, you know, this awareness to growth, you really just wanted people to be, as the name suggests, aware in how they can grow. Yeah. Mate, that has been such a cool, I'm so lucky to have had the opportunity to, to go on this journey of developing that. Um, and so I was a co-founder. Um, Bernie Garrett was the other co-founder and he was, you know, the brains and the push behind it. Yeah, and Bernie, to give you context, he's, a, he's an international corporate leadership coach. Um, he was high level in mining sector and lived out of China and coached sales and all these different things around the world, 26 different countries, had a lot of, you know, had everything, lost it all, you know, um, overcome some adversity um, and um, lost it and had his money embezzled and, and, you know, had this journey. It was an uncontrollable circumstance, but that was his defining moment. And then, um, and, you know, so to have someone like him and then we had this sort of vision together but he knew exactly what it looked like is what I'm trying to get at he's been there and done that um, I was just this bright eyed kid who's like yeah man like I, I get the concepts let's make it happen I um, don't have so much 
you know, I don't know the, the nuts and bolts. I don't know the details of it, but I want to get involved. So I was piggybacking off his belief in, in, in me in a sense. And it wasn't until the day happened and because I was anxious, I had to MC and Q and A, I had to deal with all the speakers. I had to get the speakers, you know, I had to, um, identify the, the topics and Bernie helped me with all this, but he, you know, steered me that way and put faith in me to get the right people for the job. And, um, you know, so just to touch on that briefly, we had six keynote speakers. Um, we had um, we had Alex McKinnon, who is an amazing guy. For people who don't know, famous rugby league player, you know, up and coming NRL superstar, um, had his game, you know, had his life crazily changed when he had a, a, a neck fracture, broke his neck playing rugby league and in a wheelchair in an instance. Um, this was about three years ago. We grew up together. We we're really close friends and. He spoke about resilience and overcoming adversity. So that was one of the key key topics. So we identified six aspects of what we think holistic health is and started with that. What do we think is important to us and to people in general? Areas where we can evoke thought, inspire action and energize a community sort of thing um, and invite the topics first. Resilience, really important. Generosity, really important, right? Um, Jared Burns, one of the thank you.co um, you know, social enterprise company doing amazing things. One of the co-founders spoke, um, uh, Alexa Towsey, uh, and she's like a PT to the stars and she's amazing. So physical betterment, you know, physical health. And she spoke about, you know, its role in holistic health. Um, Lindy Cohen, who's the new nutritionist and talking about food and, and nutrition's mm-hmm. role in holistic health. Um, Charlotte taught Owen and she's a mindfulness, international, you know, corporate mindfulness coaching and, and uh, psychologist background amazing talking about mindfulness and social and emotional well-being and then bernie spoke as well around um self-leadership and self-motivation so um i think i covered all six then um anyway that was amazing it was amazing and um for me to get up and get through that and then really nervous i know you were nervous you know the mm. first time when you got to speak but you never looked nervous which was cool but um so overcoming that was a big growth period for me. I know we got probably a bit, bit sidetracked there, but um, it was a really important moment and mm. gave me confidence in the journey that I'm on and realizing, okay, I get it. You know, this is about serving others. All these people are here and I get their intentions, they're engaged and we can have a cool mm. impact here. And it was powerful. And I think a lot of people do want to find ways to grow yeah. in their life, um, which is really good. But, you know, Justin, I thank you so much for spending the time with me today. But like always, I do have one final question. And that is, if you could please describe your perfect day. Right. I knew this was coming, but I was been really busy and I hadn't really prepared too much. So um, perfect day. Yeah. Wake up at 4.56 for sure. Um, We start training at 5.18, usually at Fitbit. So I'd love to have a Fitbit session, but ideally maybe push it out a little bit longer so I've got time for maybe a quick five minute um, quick breath meditation or something like that that'd be cool I don't get to do it very often but I'd love to do that um, definitely go down Fitbit bit of a high intensity circuit type thing um, down at Newcastle Beach my hometown um, jump in the ocean afterwards as we always do all year round nice and fresh freshen you up um, have a coffee Chat with the chat with Angie, definitely my partner would be there. My friends and the, you know my inner sanctum, my influences would all be there. Um, and we chat around things, and I you know we discuss what the day ahead, what we've been working on, like we always do. Have some deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I'd like to do a lot of things, but I'm trying to focus not too <laughs> many things. Um, I love seeing consulting and seeing seeing some patients. So maybe a quarter of a day worth of consulting patients and helping getting some good results for them uh chatting some people deeply and then helping uh, maybe have a coffee with a close friend and um you know uh nice healthy lunch um um, try to eat mostly vegetarian reduce my ecological footprint a bit um so I, i try to eat that maybe some food from the farmer's markets that i go to on a sunday um catch up have a nice dinner one on one with Ange. um you know ask her about her day and give her some quality time um bed nice and early and read a book happy days it sounds you know it ties up everything beautifully what we've been talking about with Mm. your 
wanting to help people and that awareness and that deep thought and that's kind of one of the things that I was saying before that I really enjoy being around you is that that deep thought and the questions that you have for yourself always make me kind of question myself as well but I do want to thank you um, again and if people do want to reach out to you and follow your journey or, yeah. or, or touch base with you what's the best way for them to do that right yeah great um that's the thing we spoke about before we have the ability to um reach out and whatever means you want so just you know via instagram facebook whatever google yeah. um google awareness to grow um you know you, you'll be able to find me justin smith i know there's a lot of smiths <laughs> so it might take a bit more f- uh, finding but I love meeting new people and, and I'd like to acknowledge you for, for this opportunity in your podcast mate this is my first podcast I've done a few interviews and things but um, I'm excited and I love what you guys are about and what you're doing and um, I've had some you know listened to, to a bunch of your podcasts some amazing stories so I'm great to be a part of them happy days thank you and I'll make sure that all the links um, from Justin's websites and Instagram and all that kind of thing are in the show notes a lot along with a lot of the other great things that we spoke about but um thanks again buddy and uh everyone listening until next time have fun and live immediately That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.